following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Absurd Psychology, straight answers without all the bull. Your host is Dr. Gary Bell. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and he'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome to Absurd Psychology. This is Dr. Gary Bell. Today, we're going to talk about the very stressful periods of some people's lives, which is divorce, step-parenting, and I call it the joy of thankless living. And if anybody knows divorce or step-parenting, they know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Woody Allen once said, the only time my wife had a spontaneous orgasm was when the judge signed the divorce papers. Step-parenting is like being a late-night convenience store clerk. You have all the responsibility, but none of the authority. (laughs) So, let's take a look at this. Let's just take uh, start with divorce. You know, divorce is prevalent in our society. We're right now, we're looking at probably uh, a 64%, and that varies depending on what studies you look at, but it's about a 64% divorce rate out there, and that's pretty horrible. Um, you know, here in California, it's community proper, property state. After 10 years of marriage, you're pretty much at a 50-50 split. So, if you've worked your whole life, in a job and you've got retirement, 401k benefits and all that good stuff, a home and all that, that, that means that your life is going to be split in half, literally split in half. Hopefully both people work, but if it's not that way and it's a one income family, that's going to be even more detrimental to everybody. So I wanted to, to take the bent on let's try to prevent divorce, but I also want to talk about divorce. So, you know, here's some facts. If one partner smokes, their marriage is 75% more likely to end in divorce. 75% of all children with divorced parents live with their mother as the primary residence. And people who wait to marry, now this is interesting, people who wait to marry after 25 years old are 24% less likely to get divorced. The divorce rate over 65 years old has doubled since 1980. Now, here's the five reasons, and these are just the top reasons, and believe me, there's gazillions of reasons for divorce, but here's the five top reasons. Communication. Now, communication doesn't mean we have nothing to say to each other. Communication means that there's an ongoing dialogue with us. We talk about our lives. We talk about the people in our lives. We talk about our days. We have empathy and compassion for each other. And communication without any interest in each other is going to leave a very lonely marriage. And I will tell you, marriage, when it's not working, is the loneliest place on the planet. You are stuck in the marriage 
and you are alternatives are awful. And that's like affairs and that's like uh, emotional affairs and things like that. So marriage can be a very paralyzing place. Here's another reason. Obviously, affairs. I will tell you affairs in the treatment of marriage, I call them the symptom and not the problem. Because you, if you focus on the affair, there's going to be good and evil. But if you focus on why the affair happened or what brought it on or how did it happen, what you do is you you discover the problems and those are what actually needs to get resolved if, if a couple wants to get back together. If they focus on the affair itself, all it's going to be is a lot of hatred, a lot of grieving, and a lot of other things. Not that that doesn't come with it, but you really can't treat it if you're going to just treat the affair. But the worst affair is what's called an emotional affair. Emotional affairs are the most dangerous, and that is when one partner is seeking communication and intimate dialogue with another person outside of their partner. And when that happens, that emotional connection most often leads to something physical. The destruction of replacing your partner with someone else emotionally is enormous to a marriage. It's an ultimate betrayal. And, you know, really working with that issue is extremely important to improve the communication and the understanding. Um, that type of stuff going on, here's how you solve it. You set a rule with each other. If you bring a male or, or I bring a female into the relationship as a friend and I introduce them as a friend and I have not consulted you as to whether or not I'm going to be friends with this person, that person doesn't belong unless you agree that they're a safe person. That means we should not have people of the opposite sex or people that may be sexually interested in us of the same sex in our marriage unless we both agree on the people that are in our marriage, the people we are friends with. Those people have great influence on our lives. They are our support systems. And when you have a male or a female out there for, you know, a female for a male, a male for a female as your support system, oftentimes that's going to lead to something not so hot. Now, finances are huge. Finances represent the stability of the marriage. And when people live paycheck to paycheck, they think entirely different. They think basically their self-esteem is, I shouldn't live like this. I can't believe I'm living like a college student. I can't believe I'm living paycheck to paycheck. This is horrible. There's a lot of self-esteem, self-destruction. You know, the deal is try to accept your finances where they're at. Look at where there's hope and look at what you can do to dig yourself out and begin doing the slow process of doing that. That commitment builds self-esteem, builds unity, and gets people feeling stronger in the marriage. Also, psychological, emotional, and physical abuse, or all of the above, are another main reason that people get divorced. And some people, especially abusers, in a physical or a, excuse me, an emotional and a psychological, they don't see themselves as abusers. Most people don't see themselves as abusers until it's turned to physical. But unfortunately, enormous damage is caused by name calling, by, uh, you know, basically ignoring the other partner's needs. I've had people literally, uh, their partner fall down and literally step over them. I mean, that's horrible. And that kind of stuff, that kind of behavior is if your partner is not significant, can lead to a divorce because that means that I'm not safe with you. And that causes enormous damage, especially if children are involved and witness it. Okay. Also, loss of interest, meaning that 
your life is of no meaning to me. I really don't care what you do. I don't care where you are. I don't care. You know, there's no curiosity. There's no, uh, you know, how's things going. There's no touching in, you know, getting in touch with each other. That lack of communication, that lack of interest leaves things to be extremely barren in the marriage and can cause enormous loneliness. These things factor into the idea of where the marriage can be vulnerable. Now, Here's some signs of impending divorce. Dreaming of life without the spouse. The bad outweighs the good. There's a lack of communication. Engaging in negative defense mechanisms. Now, what that is is like deflecting, oh, you know, whatever you're telling me is not real. Or but, 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 you know, but this, but that, but that. And trying to change the topic. You know, blaming, yelling, walking away, threats. These are all negative defense mechanisms that can lead to divorce. And the feeling that only one cares about the marriage. And also, rarely, if ever, having sex. Now, what's important in this also is to understand that a sign of an impending divorce is apathy. And we'll talk about that later. Okay, now, who are the victims of a divorce? Well, if there's children involved, they are the only victims. You're adults. Fact is, is if you're an adult and you're in a marriage and you get divorced, you're not a victim. You've made a choice. Eat it. You know, it's your problem. You're going to have to deal with it. Um, You know, bottom line is many people do not look after their children. They focus on their anger. They focus on their rage. They focus on their humiliations. They focus on all the things that led to the divorce. They get into this good and evil thinking. They bring their kids in the middle of it, and they basically tear their partner apart, the very person that they had their children with. That is a horrible thing for children to witness and to have to be in the middle of. The other thing is 28% of all children in a divorce end up living in poverty after the divorce. And if people would just realize what they have to go through, their struggle is enormous. And when we talk about later step parenting, we have to consider the fact of what a child goes through when their parents choose to be divorced, especially if they act like idiots. Now, the opposite of love is apathy. It's not hate. You know, when I have people in my office and they're talking about, you know, their marriage, bottom line is, if one of them is that I don't care, that is the opposite of love. I don't care. I just don't care about them. I don't know. I have any feelings. I just want to move on. That's where you're pretty much at the end. But if I see two people yelling and hating each other and, and, and basically having a lot of emotion towards each other, that tells me there's hope because you have to love to hate. That means there's still love there if a person hates that much. Now, once again, if I'm looking at the keys to a person getting divorced, especially in counseling, odds are about 96% if not more, if they've already brought up the topic of let's get divorced, then they're probably going to do it. If they're every time they argue, they say, let's get a divorce, then you're probably going to end up getting divorced because both of you begin preparing for that ultimate outcome. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy, and it's almost guaranteed to happen every time if divorce being brought up is a constant part of your communication. Also, I can usually tell how people are in their relationship by where they sit with each other. 
if I've got a couple that sit on opposite sides or sit in, you know, one sits in a chair and the other sits on the couch, that's telling me that there's not a good chance going on here. If I've got a couple, one sitting on one end and one sitting on the other, there's a little bit of hope there because they're still sitting in the same place. I can tell just about, you know, how people meta-communicate, non-verbal communicate with each other. I can tell where people are at, and you yourselves can read that by the way you sit together. Also, the way you sleep together in the bed. All right, now, here's how to decrease the odds of a divorce. Stop threatening divorce. Shut up. This begins your partner's process of making a plan. If you threaten it, you've already decided and you're already fantasizing about the idea of being divorced. You know, stop also arguing in a way that your children witness or aware that you're arguing. If you want to destroy their world and create enormous fear, then let your ego destroy your children by creating this Broadway production of negativity towards your spouse in front of them. The last thing a child wants to see is both people that they love more than anything in this world ripping each other apart. It's a terrible thing for a child to witness. Once again, when we talk about a child's development, safety is everything. Safety, when that is wrecked in their life, that means that their individualism, their ability to develop, all of a sudden start to slow down. So when parents argue in front of their children, they're basically guaranteeing that that child is going to have to slow down developmentally and start rethinking their life. Don't talk to your children about divorce unless you have a plan and have agreed on it and have figured out how you're going to tell them. Make sure all of their needs are thought through and taken care of. Because children are, are, are very selfish. And they want to know, what are, what are you going to do? What, what's going to happen with me when you guys do this? And they want to know, am I still going to be able to play softball? Am I still going to be able to play you know, swim? Am I going to be able to play soccer? All of these things are extremely important to their life. And... They need to be prepared and understand what you're about to do and how it's going to affect them, what their life is going to look like. The other thing is, children, once you decide to get divorced, children get cooties. And what that means is other kids uh, no longer are allowed to have them in their house. They, they all oftentimes get alienated because they're children of a divorced family. And the last thing that a couple wants, another family wants, is to have divorce enter their home. And so they push children away that are in divorce. And that's very hard on them. So it's good to get counseling. It's good to get them in groups. It's good to introduce them to other kids that have been through it because that helps them have a support system. And you as parents have the obligation to assist them to get some comfort of understanding that there is life beyond our family and there is life with dad and life with mom. Don't focus on the events that have gone wrong. Attack what the process was leading up to the event. Look for forgiveness and intentions. Were the intentions to, to hurt? If, if someone has done something detrimental to the relationship, let's say having a texting conversation with somebody, don't attack the conversation. Don't attack the content. Attack what in the world is going on in your head. What are you thinking? How did you decide to engage in this kind of a relationship? What's going on with us? 
That is what you want to go after. If you want to go after the other person or if you want to go after your partner and just attack, 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 all you're going to get is a lot of defense mechanisms and that's not helping the situation. If you want to be constructive and prevent divorce, then the best thing you can do is attack the intention. Now, and also, this is the other thing is stop trying to be right and seek justice or fairness. You know, fair is a place where they judge pigs. There's no such thing as fair in this life. Justice There is no justice. There is attempts at justice, and that's about it. So if you want to heal the relationship, you have to have the inner strength to listen and validate your partner's thoughts and perception, lower your defensiveness, and use compassion, empathy, not sympathy. And I describe empathy as very simple. If a person jumps off the cliff, The sympathetic person will jump off with them and they'll both be cussing each other out at the very bottom because both have probably broke their legs if not hurt themselves and dying. Second of all, empathy is a person standing at the top of the cliff after the person's jumped off and said, when you're ready, I'll throw you a rope. That's empathy. That doesn't mean we jump into the problem. That means that we provide an alternative that is good and healthy. Nagging means you're not being heard. So nagging means that there's a person that is not doing a very good job of listening. Also, if we're going to decrease the odds of a divorce, there needs to be more touch and closeness, especially where the children can see you. They need this. It grosses them out, but they need to see it. It provides security. If they see mom and dad hugging and touching and holding hands and being warm with each other, that means things are safe and that means things are good. Also, Be more involved in your children's lives as your partner's lives truly for them and do not do just as a requirement. Get involved in your children's life and your partner's lives. Get involved legitimately. Don't just fake it. The other thing is we're going to talk about is conflict as we talk about the odds of decreasing a divorce. I hope you all come back. Thanks for listening to Absurd Psychology. I'll be right back. It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. 
Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are tuned in to Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary Bell or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. So, got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on the Email Host button on the Voice America page. Now, back to Absurd Psychology. Welcome back to Absurd Psychology. This is Dr. Gary Bell. We're talking about conflict, and this is in in an attempt to prevent divorce, to to prevent the disaster of the divorce. And, And, you know, there's a difference between aggressive and assertive communication. Aggressive communication is like a person raises their tone. They're like, you did this. I can't believe. There's a lot of, usually a lot of visual, you know, I can't believe you would do this to me, blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of emotion involved. It's like being hit by a machine gun. And that kind of communication is a parenting style, and that means you're talking to your partner as if they're a child. What we want is people to have conflict as adults. And we've talked about this in a previous, uh, a previous uh, show, but I want to really get into what assertive communication is. Assertive means I feel. I, I, feel like you're very, I feel like I'm very upset with you. I feel like I'm sad. You know, I'm very lonely. I'm very tired. I'm very, I'm enraged about this. Meaning you are able to verbally communicate your emotions rather than have it to demonstrate. And that's how we have safe conflict. And if people would just do that alone, their communication, the number one reason most people get divorced, would improve enormously. But they have to be humble and willing to communicate in a very steady I'm very frustrated. I'm very angry with you, but not demonstrate it. And if we can do that, we become more sense of who we are. We have more self-esteem and we deliver a much safer marriage, a much safer conflict. Don't try to solve your partner's problems or remind them how flawed they are. If you want a divorce, the best thing you can do is tear your partner apart. You didn't marry them to change them. Now, some people believe that's why they did marry him, but I'm sorry. If you want a marriage to work, you have to accept the person you have. You know, don't take them to counseling or therapy when they're not ready. That's a horrible thing to do to somebody. You have to take them where they're at and work with what you got. And that is what you have to do to begin the the process of improving. Be willing to evolve with your partner. You know, why do people buy Harleys or coach purses? This has no common sense to it. We're not all logical people. We're emotional. But sometimes... 
we have to have something because we're exploring who we are. And that is important. Don't step in people's way. You may say, well, we don't have the money now, but don't be so negative about and this is never going to happen. You want to give people the chance to have these things that define the direction that they want to head. If it makes them feel better, support them and try to find a way that they can grow. You know, characters built on the ability to make decisions. And how many of you ask, well, what do you want for dinner? I don't know. What do you want? Well, that means your partner pretty much has very little character. That means we don't know who they are. They're hard to buy gifts for. You know, people that are indecisive are extremely difficult to live with, to be in a relationship with. You know, the deal is if you're half your life is over, or if you're in your 30s even, for God's sake, start making some choices. If, if, you can't, if you're going to say, no, I don't want that, then give another choice. You know, why don't we go here? The deal is, is this I don't know stuff is ridiculous. We need to be decisive people if we want to have a life where people love us and want relationships with us. They have to know who we are. And the only way to get to know somebody is that person to make decisions. We are equals and partners in a marriage and admit you're wrong and don't keep score. If you're wrong, you're wrong. If you may be wrong, say you may be wrong, but don't keep score in a marriage. Marriage isn't a competition. People must feel hopeful and remember that they're attracted to each other, that they're compassionate and stop looking. This is the other thing that drives me crazy. People always compare where they're at to their honeymoon phase. How retarded is that? I mean, you're, you're basically your brain is completely obliterated during the honeymoon phase. All you're thinking about is sex and what angles and try this, what that, how can I make it happen? You know, nobody's really thinking logically. Well, it's nice to get a piece of that in your life, another glimpse of it in the relationship, but it's unrealistic. I mean, is it going to happen? It could. And, and that might be nice. But to compare where you're at to the honeymoon phase, come on now. That's just ridiculous. You're setting yourself up for an enormous argument. If you are getting a divorce, make it a business deal about making your children's lives better. If you're at that point of divorce, you don't have to talk about it anymore. Just do it. Do it and do it all for your children. And every decision you make has to be for your children. And every compromise you make is how we can do a better job in this situation, co-parenting. Don't do this negative talk to each other. You know, that's a horrible thing. Find a safe way to communicate. If you can't say anything nice, email each other. Give yourself time. Don't press that button and send some negative you know, turd across the line to the other partner. You want to be supportive as you can that we're both on the same goal of making our children's lives better. We don't want to talk negatively about our partner in front of our children. That's immature, it's stupid, and you need to cut it out. Find a mediating attorney. If you both are wanting a divorce, find a mediating attorney. Mediating attorneys cost generally a lot less than two attorneys. And they don't create a whole lot of arguments. What they do is they try to find the medium, find the way, the best way to get a divorce for your children. If you really are getting divorced, do it in a mediating way and do it all for your children and let that attorney represent both of you. It's cheaper. It's efficient. That You know, divorce can cost tens of thousands of dollars when you've got two attorneys involved. They make money by having angry clients. That's family law. If I have an angry client and you have an angry client, we're going to make a whole lot of money. So let's keep stirring up the pot. And that's what they do. 
And also, go to therapy and get some perspective on your life because that's when you start need to start getting to know yourself. That's if you're getting a divorce. You know, throw away the old blueprint of your life, throw away your old goals, throw away your old finances, and start looking at where you're at and how to rebuild. That's what you got to do. It's hard. Change is what people hate the most. But the deal is you have got to rethink who you are at that moment you do a divorce. You know, try to have a friendly relationship about the children. You know, both can be in the company of the child without any stress. That would be great for your children. Unfortunately, most people are too immature to do that. You know, don't judge your ex and how they cope with divorce and their new life. That's going to be ugly. Yours is going to be ugly too. You guys are going to make horrible choices and you're going to make good choices. But the deal is don't judge each other because the truth is it's just going to be what it is. And that's, that's how it is. You know, there's an old saying, you really never know your partner until you divorce them. You know, recognize you cannot control how your ex-parents your parent, the ex is going to parent one way, you're going to parent another way. The child has got to go between those two homes. If you try to make the rules the same, that's likely they're not going to be the same because you're two different people. You're going to parent differently, and that is enormous, and you must understand that the child will adapt to that. Do not introduce your children to meaningless relationships, not even a casual just friends introduction. They know more than you think, and that gets them scared, especially if they don't like that partner. So the deal is, do not introduce your children to meaningless people or casual just friends. And if you have to get an attorney, get a great one that you can communicate with and keep them so they understand the history. It is worth being represented well. That means I'm going to start It may be expensive, but I'm going to stick with this attorney. They seem to be good. They're going to know the case all the way through. And if you have that, that's going to be great. Some people hop from one to another to another to another. Sometimes that's because they didn't do a good idea figuring out who they had the best rapport with in the beginning and who could get the job done. Your only communication with your partner should be about the children. Otherwise, you're done. No friendly calls, especially if you have a new partner. It destroys the trust. There should not be any talk between you except for about the children, and there shouldn't be any other casual conversation. You want to give full legal custody to the parent who is going to be responsible for school, the doctor's appointments, and various other matters regarding the children's health and welfare. Don't split legal custody if you can help it. If there's one that's better at it, let that that person have the legal custody. And make sure all physical custody is in the child's best interest. Makes room for personal activities like gym and dance, baseball. Make sure it's in writing completely so that any police officer can interpret, if needed, you know, what days are supposed to be with you and what days are supposed to be with them, what holidays are for you, what holidays are for them. If you don't get that on paper, the police can do nothing. You may have 50-50 physical custody on paper. But it's meaningless because there is no definition of when you're supposed to have your children. So you need to make sure to get specifics on paper when you have your children. And also, don't exchange kids where they're unfamiliar. Do it at their convenience. Do it at a place that is convenient for them. And bottom line is, if you're getting divorced, move on. Now, here's some tips after divorce. Let yourself mourn. It is a grieving process. And it takes time. It can take up to three years to do all the heavy grieving. 
You know, learn to like yourself. Get to know what you like. Make decisions for you. And that's character. I may, may have been this way when I'm married, but now this is who I am. And that doesn't mean you've completely changed who you are, but it, what it does mean is you're getting to know this person that you left and compromised when you got married and had children. You know, work through your feelings also. Go, go to therapy. Go to therapy and talk. Talk to somebody where it can't leave the room. Just let your mind go. Explore your fears. Explore everything that bothers you. Try to allow yourself to understand what your brain is thinking, what you're going through. Get, a, get an outside view. And friends cannot do that. Family cannot do that. The ex cannot do that. Your children cannot do that. But therapy is a wonderful place to do that because that's where the person is unbiased and they're there to help you. You know, rediscover who you are. Go out and, and find things that you used to do that you may not have done in a long time. Or maybe there's something that you've always been interested in doing and you need to try it. I, I, I know some people have done things like uh, yoga or, uh, you know, sailing or tennis or living by the ocean or, you know, all kinds of crazy things that they've always wanted to do and never had the opportunity and now they take the chance and they do that. And their kids thrive, they thrive, their life changes, and it becomes a dynamic thing. So this is a time when you're divorced to make very good dramatic choices. And if they don't work out, make new choices. It doesn't mean the end of the world. We have to be experiential learners. That means we have to experience things and decide whether we want them in our life or we don't want them in our life. You know, the good, you know, the good deal is when you get divorced, make a week where you say yes to everything you normally would say no to, just so it's good for you. <laughs> you know, the other thing is you want to dare to be alone. Dare to be alone. Allow yourself to, to enjoy peace. See what happens when you're all by yourself with nobody there and nobody coming. Dare to be alone. That is where we have the art of discovery and self-discovery. If we spend our whole time reaching out, reaching out, reaching out, we're not going to grow. We got to do that work within ourselves. Also, you know, it's not a bad idea to consider transitional relationships. You know, this is not necessarily a time where you're going to want to meet the one that you're going to have the next relationship. Consider transitional relationships. Have, you know, somebody that we're just dating, we're friends with benefits or whatever. That is not necessarily a bad thing. Just keep it away from your kids. You know, the deal is spend some time with somebody else. Spend some time, kiss a lot of frogs. You know, and, and maybe you'll find the one if that's what you're looking for. Some people, they just want to be alone. But otherwise, you know, take your chance. Go out there. Just explore. But don't do this committal, got to get married thing. That, that's crazy. You know, embrace your new role in life. Now, now here's some dating advice. Here's three, three things you need to do before you decide to marry someone again. You need a credit report, a full health check, and a background check. And I'm talking about criminal background check. Because if you're getting divorced, I'll guarantee whoever you're looking at, if you're looking at somebody else, is probably going to have some life behind them. And if they have life behind them, that means they have baggage. You need to know what that is, including their family. Initial dates, if you're going to date somebody, should have no agenda, goalless. You're going to introduce yourself to a, a friend somebody who could be a new friend in your life. You just go for coffee, go for a drink, meet at a park, 
No further plans. Don't have any further plans beyond just meeting. And if you decide to make them while you're at the park or at the coffee shop, then go from there and enjoy. But there should be no agenda. This question that we oftentimes when we're dating, we get so, so uh, people get so desperate. They, you know, is this the one? And they start assessing qualities that they're looking for. It's much better if you're going to date to just be there, be yourself as yourself and not dress any different than you would on any given day. Go with the day you've had and be the person you are. And that's the way you should present yourself. And if you're going to do one of these online file, you know, you know, dating services, don't put some crazy picture of what you look like 20 years ago. Put the picture of who, where, who you are now, what you look like now. That's what people want. You know, your adult body is your adult body. You're not going to be 16 years old. Everybody knows that. Put your real age. Put yourself out there as you are. If you really want to meet the one, you're not going to meet the one if you're putting some lie out there as your initial first impression. And they show up and you're 400 pounds heavier than you were in the picture. That's ridiculous. Don't do that. If you have children, explore their take on parenting. That means... I have a child. I need to know what you think about parenting. How do you parent? You know, share the challenges if there are a parent. Um, don't be too diplomatic. Keep it open and free. Leave, you know, leave when you choose and be honest. And, and that means have a the honest dialogue about your children, about some of the challenges and about your parenting styles. That's part of who you are and you should not be ashamed of it. Now, here's some signs that you're not ready to date. You're still married you still feel married if you've written an online profile in which you list all the things that you don't want to date, if you're not past gross generalizations like all men are this or all women are that, if you cannot have a conversation in the first date without mentioning your ex at least once, and once again, these are signs you're not ready to date, and the last one is if you're still angry over your divorce, you're not ready to date. We're going to talk about step parenting. So come back, listen to Absurd Psychology. Thank you for listening. Come right back. on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world and that includes you visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment do you like what you're hearing on the show today Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are he's fast efficient effective and has a no bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions if you're ready to change right now drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. 
You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary Bell or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. So, got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on the Email Host button on the Voice America page. Now, back to Absurd Psychology. Welcome back to Absurd Psychology. It's Dr. Gary Bell. We're going to talk about step parenting and the role of a step parent. And I will tell you, once again, step parent is about the thankless, most thankless job in the world. It's because you can also you could be the worst person in the world or the best person in the world. Uh, there's a lot of things that you have to witness that you don't agree with. There's parenting styles that are mixed up. It can cause a lot of conflict in the relationship, especially if you go after your partner's children and they look at you as the bad guy and the partner looks at you as the bad guy. That can destroy a relationship. So there's a lot of this is a very delicate process, the step parenting. And some people get it right. Other people are halfway good at it, and some people are just downright awful. Now, the role of a step-parent is very simple. You're either the nice aunt or the nice uncle. You're not the parent. You're like a nice aunt or a nice uncle. And the other thing, as a step-parent, you do have a right to discipline, but it should always be around the family rules. Family rules means things that affect, that you're doing that affect the entire family. If you're going to leave garbage all over the house, if you're not going to wash the dishes, if you're not going to help with family chores, those kind of, if your behavior is making everybody want to run to their room and not have to deal with you, that kind of stuff is affecting everybody. And so anything that's affecting everybody can be uh, disciplined by either parent as a step parent or the biological. It's always preferred that the biological is the bad guy. The bad guy, once again, should always be the biological. Work on listening if you're a step parent and acceptance. Have boundaries. Know that they're coming from a different place. They've been raised differently. They're not the children that you raised. They're not children that grew up in your family. They weren't influenced by your relatives. They come from a different world. And it's important for you to accept that and understand it and learn about it before you start being rigid and awful. What you want to do is just be extremely open to understanding what kind of processes this kid gone through and where can I influence them and where can I not. Also, it's important if you're a step family is to have family meetings and discuss those boundaries and the needs of us as a family. 
you know, if your life situation has changed and the children are not going to be able to grow up the way they grew up before, then you need to understand that. But that means your communication has to be daily and it needs to be preferably at the kitchen table where you're having dinner and you're talking about exactly what's going on and what people are going through. So everybody's plugged in. You also want to make sure that children feel that their parent is not being replaced. The biological must be the biological. That means that they are their parent in the home. The step-parent is there to support the biological parent unless they want to be the evil step-parent. If they want a parent, then they're going to become the evil step-parent because it's very easy to target a step-parent than it is a biological. Also, you know, what's sad is about divorce is that children and the adults lose a lot of the memories that they had as a family before. That means they can't really enjoy the trips, the things that they did individually, the moments that they had, the pictures, all that stuff for many people becomes a threat. And so those kind of memories mean that you're going to have to make new family memories with the step parent. You can't just focus on the past. Now we've got to create new memories and they need to be good ones and they need to be we're legitimately enjoying each other and having a good time. Memories are what your life's about, and memories are what your children deserve to have, especially if they're going through a divorce. They should have that with their new family, which is the step-parent and the biological. You also want to have structure that the children can blend into and understand, and that's where you want to have like things like behavior contracts. Okay, here's the behavior I need from you. Here's the rewards for when you do it. Here's what the takeaways when you don't. That's structure, and that's important. Also, it's important to be a part of the stepchildren's lives. You know, cheer them on. Go to their events. Go to the things they do. Help them with their homework. Be a positive mentor by your actions, not your words. Let your words be the secondary. Let your actions be the primary, meaning I, I take you to ballet or I'm there at gym and I'm yelling for you. I'm supporting you when you're competing, when you're having fun, when you're doing your homework, when you're having a rough time. I'm there for you. It doesn't mean I'm going to solve your problems. doesn't mean I'm going to be your mother or father, but I'm there for you. That's huge. And if a step-parent can do that, things get better. You know, don't expect, this is the other thing, and it's sad, but children are very selfish. And they forget to do thanks, and they forget to do gratefulness. Um, they sometimes don't give you those positive reinforcements and oftentimes your partner will take you for granted. But uh, expecting accolades or thanks can be a very depressing thing. You, you want to prefer to get those things, but if you expect it, you're going to have a lot of anger towards your stepchildren. You know, be glad when they come. There's no guilt or shame. Children are the most selfish people in the world, especially teenagers. So expect that you're going to see some negative things come out of them. And it's not like they don't do these things with their own biological parents. They do. They do that too. Um, you know, children forget to say thank you and they forget to be grateful. You know, the other thing is when and if a step parent has to discipline, it's important to make sure that the biological parent has their back. That means your communication needs to be extremely strong about the child. Don't go out there and make decisions and do things without consulting the biological. Ultimately, they're the one that has to explain it. Ultimately, they're the one that has to implement the bad thing. 
and they need to be bought in on the decision. If you do things just haphazard without consulting, don't be surprised if you become the enemy. You know, you want to strive for unity in parenting, and you also want to show your children that you have intimacy with each other by kissing and hugging. It's it's a good thing. If the children are cold to the step-parent from the kissing, hugging thing, that's often because they feel they have to be aligned to the other parent or something like that. And, and bottom line is, let it come naturally. Once again, a step-parent is judged by their actions more than their words. You know, um, you also, a step-parent that unilaterally changes rules based on emotions, let's say a kid does something bad, you know, they lie, and all of a sudden, the step-parent decides to change the rule and, you know, discipline in an extreme way, not a good idea. This is something you don't want to impulsively discipline children as a step-parent. You want to discipline when you're calm and collect and you're ready to have a plan that your biological, that the biological parent is ready to stand behind you on. And, uh, you know, that communication, once again, is key. Now, couples in the step-parenting process also find themselves in a very tenuous situation. It can be a very difficult on a marriage, especially when there's step-parenting involved. Number one key is, rule number one, do not compare each other's parenting style. Your parenting style is your parenting style. Maybe it could improve. Maybe it could get better. But don't be coaching each other on how to parent. Go seek counseling. Let the counselor help. Let the therapist help. Both of you decide how to parent better. You know, everybody can parent better, but seeking each other as the experts is never a good idea because all the time, oftentimes it becomes the battleground and resentments build up and problems happen in the marriage that are not good and could lead to another divorce. Also, jealousy of the stepchild um, when it comes to uh, the biological. If 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 one parent, the step parent, is thinking that the biological is uh, treating the child better than they treat them, or comparing to how they're treated, those relationships are completely different. You know, we have the opportunity for pure, unconditional love with our children. That cannot be stopped. It's powerful. the The thing is with marriage. Marriage is a uh, conditional relationship. It's a contract. You have to get a divorce to do it. You take vows. That means that we're held to our word. You know, our word is our integrity. But the deal is within a, a relationship, a step-parent and a parent, you know, two people being married, that is a contract. It's, it's not unconditional love. So don't compare the two. You know, most people are going to put their kids before uh, the step-parent. They have to. They have to because they have the job of raising them. Okay, and, you know, let the biological have time with the child. If everything has to be a family event, then the child doesn't feel special. They want that bond with their biological parent. If it's a shopping spree, if it's a, you know, go to the park, if it's a, you know, doing something, they need to have that time together. And that's important. That bonding time is very important that they have that one-on-one. And, uh, you know, bottom line is you're not merging two families into one. You're maintaining the balance of an old family and you're creating a new family together. So there's some influence of that old life that the children are familiar with and there's also some of a new life. And you've got to know that you're bringing those two things together. Now, 
Here's uh, some levity here. So how to feel when the world is crashing around you? Well, the first thing you could do is bend over and kiss your ass goodbye. But if you actually do, it might become the, the famous thing that you do. You're 15 minutes of fame and you've turned your luck around. <laughs> Except that the universe was not created for your personal happiness. Recognize that pain is a reminder that you're still alive. And realize the good die young because we who stay remain in hell. <laughs> you could also, when you feel like the world's crashing around you, go to the bathroom, lock the doors, sit on the toilet, read a newspaper, all the bad news, and if you die, at least no one else will have to clean up after you. Okay. <laughs> so, what we're talking about once again is the step parenting process. And, you know, there's some things that you do want to do when you're doing the step parenting. And that is obviously you want to play, you want to have fun, and you want to connect, and you want to have as many opportunities to do that as possible. Uh, going to the park can be a lot of fun. Swimming can be a lot of fun. Uh, just going to the beach could be a lot of fun. But we want to have these things be positives. We want to have lots, you know, play games with each other, uh, horse around, not hurting anybody, but, you know, doing those fun stuff, you know, joining a child's fantasy life. That's all positives, and you want to do that. You also, it's really cool if you have a talent as a step parent to share that with the children and introduce it to their lives. I know my daughter, uh, when my, my sister introduced uh, twirling the baton to my daughter, she went crazy. I mean, she just loves it. Now that every time that she goes over to her aunt's house, she wants to learn more about the baton. And of course, my sister is trying to relearn how to do it and teach her. But that's a wonderful thing. And if you have that talent, you want to share it. It's a good thing. And, and they think that's a very special. And uh, hobbies. Hobbies are things you want them. If you have a hobby, let them join your hobby and, and let you, you know, show them that and show them the joy of having a hobby. Children with hobbies oftentimes enjoy their, their childhood a lot more because they have a way to connect with other people and other children. Also, you know, communicate your commitment to your life, to them, and to your partner. They have lost their biological parents as partners. So you want to talk to them about the commitment that you guys have and the, the, the desire you have to be their step-parent, the desire for us to be a family and to have great things. You know, and, and it, if you're religious, you want to share your spiritual walk with them. It's not a bad thing if it's been foreign to their life and, and you as a step-parent are a religious person of any faith. It's not a bad thing to introduce them to that. It doesn't mean they're going to join it, but it's something that you want to share with them. Okay, here's what we're going to discuss in later shows. Number one, and I get a lot of questions about this, personality disorders, can't you find a UFO to haul your ass back home? Suicide, Death, and Grieving, The Art of Living Miserably. Next week, we're going to do Crisis Intervention with Dr. Nancy Bull, and she'll be on my, uh, one of my special guests. And then a couple weeks later, we're going to do one on wellness. So that's our show, everybody. I want to thank everyone for listening. Love to hear from you and get your feedback. Twitter, at DRGBMFT. Now remember, the hardest part of a divorce will be finding an attractive picture of yourself to upload on a dating site. Thanks for joining Absurd Psychology, this is Dr. Gary Bell. That's our show for this week. 
Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Monday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.